This episode of the SFW Podcast is sponsored by ElectricalJungleShop.com. Yeah, that's right. We got a sponsor at ElectricalJungleShop.com. And we also got some teas out there. Show your love of support. Go visit the website. Buy some things. Let them know that going into business with me is a good thing. And, you know, hopefully it'll be a fruitful partnership on both ends. <laughs> Show your love of support. Get you some graphic tees with cool designs. We got one out one out we got a one out now for the SFW podcast. So check that out. I'm actually gonna go cop that one myself and wear it and that way people ask me about it. Oh, you don't know about this? This is that new new. You don't know about that. Listeners of the podcast can save money by using the promo code to check out SFW. So be sure to do that. Electricaljungleshop.com. Electrical like ooh baby it's electric jungle as in the amazon and shop all one word electricaljungleshop.com let them know i sent you welcome to the sfw podcast with your host adrian who else would it be but me back with another amazing episode, but unfortunately no guests today. No guests this week and no guests next week because I'm moving. I'm moving um, from where I am now into a studio. So I won't have any... That's the big news. That is, that's, that's the big news I was waiting to share. So by this time next week, I should be in my new studio apartment. Uh, no roommates. So I'll be living on my own. And that's gonna be that. Um, right now, I am in this house by myself because, as I told you previously, myself, my roommate was um, going to sell the house so he can move to Nashville. Don't say he's moving to Atlanta, but he, he's moving to Nashville, and he's gone. He's moved out already. He's gone. He's t- taken all his, his stuff, and he's left some things behind. He's like, hey, if there's anything you want that I left behind, you can feel free to have it. So I've got a few things and stuff. I'm gonna take a, a coffee table, a dresser and some other stuff and I'm just waiting to move next week so I'm excited about that I'm excited about moving but I'm also worried about it as well because although the money seems to be flowing in now to be able to pay for rent because it's place is pricey and I go through a lot of hoops to get it it's going to be a studio apartment and the person who's renting it from me owns the apartment I guess it's a co-op or whatever and um, they own several units in the building and it's a lot easier to go do it this way than to try to get it from the building manager themselves. My credit's bad. Um, I don't make a lot on paper. And, you know, this is what it is. But, thankfully, this lady was able to work out with me. She saw my credit report. She was like, hey, why is your, you know, why is it like this? And you look at it, it's all just it's student loans. It's student loans. I don't have any money to pay that shit back. It's going to be like that for a while. Unless I wake up tomorrow and I have an untold amount of money. Student loans are gonna be haunting me for a while. I'm gonna, have to pay, I'm gonna have to pay back a bare minimum of something a month. You know what I mean? Hopefully something under 100 a month to kind of get it down for the next thousand years I live because that's gonna always need to pay it off. But other than that, you know, she did that and then she had to check with my employers to make sure I was employed. And the place I'm at now, the guy really spoke highly of me and said, you know, it's good. And she was happy about it. And she's like, we usually don't do this because of your credit score. But, you know, we talked to your employer. You seem nice. We want to trust you on this. And studio apartment. So 
I'm going to be living in a studio apartment by myself, which is exciting and nerve-wracking at the same time. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. All right, I got ideas of what I want to do, but the main thing is make sure I have the fucking rent money coming up because thankfully this last roommate, thankfully, he was such a cool dude, man. He, I was late quite a few times on rent back-to-back each month. And he was like, yeah, just give it to me. You give it to me. As long as it's before this date, you're good. And, you know, so I won't be able to do that to this place. I'm going to have to be able to pay on time. You know, but my goal is once I move, I'm going to be able to pay next month. As soon as I move, I'm paying for July. And then in July, I'm going to pay for August. Try to get myself some breathing room in between months so that I don't have to worry about it right off the bat. Yeah, I already paid, t- already paid what? Upwards of three grand to move. I had to pay first, last, and security. And that's about three grand right there. A little over three grand. <sighs> Being an adult is hard, man. Like, And I realized, like, moving again, I can't do another roommate situation. After the first one in New Carrollton, and then this one, because really I'm supposed to be here until September is when my lease runs out. But everything going on, you know, he hasn't charged me for rent the last couple of uh, uh, you know, the last month allow me to find a place to move and he's been very nice on me getting the rental when I can get it to him because he knows I'm working, it's not like I'm sitting around all day, you know, I, I, get, I give him money whenever I can to do stuff so what I'm saying is the future looks good, but please pray for me because right now it's good, but in the future I don't want to be like, oh god damn, I need to fucking pay rent tomorrow, I don't even have this much uh, but It'll be my own place. So, that'll be cool. That was the goal. That was my actual goal to begin with when I first moved out of my grandparents' house. was to get my own place. But, it's hard to do it when you don't have any rental history or your credit's not good. You know what I mean? Like, unless I show up with a, with a, with a bag full of cash. I'm talking about a crazy bag full of cash. Here's all rent, next year's rent right here in this bag. Take it. Mm. Oh, shit. Oh, all right. I guess you can have it. You know, other than that, man, I'm just I'm a, I'm a, I'm a working class, more class fool, man. It's hard. It's hard, man. It's hard out there. Uh, dude, last weekend, because things are like, what was it? Whenever you hear this, it'll probably be done by now. But because things are pretty much at almost 100 capacity now and things are back to normal. Dude, last weekend trying to get home, the streets were so crowded with people trying to get trying, people hanging out at, at night. Like the last year and a half, you know, leaving work and whatever you're doing, leaving work, you know, leaving work or leaving a place late at night. The streets would be pretty much kind of dead. You used to be walking up and down, of course, but the streets were so packed with people that I had to walk a couple blocks to get an Uber because it would be cheaper to walk that way. Away from Uber than it would be to catch one right outside the job. You know what I mean? And it was so many people out, some people were on the sidewalks, people hanging out, people in the streets. It was like, I forgot this is what it's looked like. What it's, I, for, I, I legit forgot this is what it looks like when people are out on Friday, Saturday night. I was amazed. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so, like, people are like, wow, it blew my mind. It really blew my mind. <sighs> Hope you're well. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're feeling well. I hope you're being well and being good. Um, so since there's no guests, I'm going to read some chapters of my unpublished manuscript. Um, that's coming up later on in the show. Hope you enjoy that. If so, I will read some other chapters next week. 
as well. And my goal is to get that out there, man, because I've been working on it for close to 10 years now, man. And it's, you know, you work, you, you, it's like, it's like working on a baby. It's like being pregnant for 10 years with a baby. I'm ready to give birth to this child and have him out in the world to do his thing. But unfortunately, you know, I couldn't find the right publishing people. And ones I did find, they wanted me to change so much about the book that I didn't feel comfortable with it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so the one thing I wanted to do with the book was I wanted to have quotes. Um, I wanted to have like famous quotes at the start of each chapter that would kind of tell you what the chapter's about. So let's just say, let me just put in. Well, quotes would be like obscure quotes from like weird people. Like I think I had quoting them by Charles Manson, and you know, things like that. And uh, so, say like say like each quote would open the book. I would have a quote. I would say something like, uh, "I came, I saw, I conquered." Julius Caesar, and then I would uh, put in bold conquered. Because the story within the chapter would be about conquering something or overcoming something, so that was the, that was the goal with that. But unfortunately, they were like, "Oh, you can't use um, quotes from people because they have their stuff licensed or whatever the case may be." And because I, I had quotes from them, quotes from Obama, and I had a quote from Manson, I had a quote from this person, that person. And it's like I think I have a quote from Maya Angelou, and from what I was told, Maya Angelou's team is very litigious. You quote anything from Maya Angelou, she wants a fucking percentage out of that shit. Damn, really? She's like that? That's probably not her. It's probably her estate. But still, you know what I mean? So I had to get rid of that, which I thought that would have been made it good. I mean, if there's a way I could work around that, I would like to do that. But other than now, the chapter's going to be like single chapter, chapter, or this, about that. But yeah, that was the goal with the, with, with, with the, with the initial draft of it. Oh man, yeah, man, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the seat. So my roommate left uh, Sunday morning. He was gone. He was here. Okay, so he was there when I went to work Saturday night, and he was gone Sunday when I left. When I woke up, and you know, he, he told me he was leaving. He's like, hey, you know, I'm leaving. He's trying to sell the house. He's got a realtor coming by and things like that, and. Since he was having such a hard time trying to sell the house, I was thinking, dude, you should just let me stay here and just pay you rent. You know what I mean? Like, it's that hard to get rid of the house. But apparently, you talk to somebody and they're interested in it and things like that. So he's gone. He will be coming back after I leave next week to finalize deals with the realtor and things like that. That's all. That's his shit he's got to deal with. I don't have to worry about that. But I'm here with myself in this empty house and it's weird. It is crazy weird <laughs> but this is what's gonna be like me living on your own man you know what I'm saying like, I gotta get used to this like I would, I would there'd be days like he'd be gone for a while or he'd be gone a couple days or a week or something like that but I always knew he'd be back eventually yeah so, are you excited to live on your own yes because I don't have a roommate and I don't want to explain anything to anybody but at the same time I'm petrified at the future so we'll see how it goes fingers crossed this is all part of my plan, actually, in life, was to kind of get my own place for a while, like a year or so, a, a minimum of a year, 
and then eventually move somewhere else. When I say move somewhere else, I mean move to like New York, Cali, somewhere in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, somewhere else. Hell, even Florida looks good sometimes, depending on where you are. You know what I mean? I know we always hear those stories about Florida man and Florida person, and it's kind of scary, but I just want to be out and see new things. But I can't handle living in my own world living over here. I don't need to be going anywhere else. That's my that's my whole thing. You're gonna be stuck somewhere where you don't know anybody and somebody's not gonna be able to help you. Right now I'm able to go see my family whenever I want to and you know do this and that, whatever. Everything's convenient right now, but if I moved to Cali or something like that, I don't know anybody out there who's gonna help me when I need something. I mean, I mean, you hope you would meet people along the way, you know, get a job somewhere and, you know, go to, you know, live in a studio or one bedroom in Cali, somewhere in Cali, in Los Angeles area, and work at a nightclub or something like that and make good good money and be like, hey, you know, hey, you know, I got a little studio out in this area. Oh, wow, it's a good area. Okay. I feel like I'm inviting females back to my place anytime soon, to be honest with you. The whole time I was here. Well, the majority of the time I was here, the first job I had working in here was, yeah, the whole time, I've never invited anybody back here, to be honest with you, from work, I've never had anybody else over, I had one person over, and that's going to be a story for another day, because it's going to be too long and lengthy to get into at this time period, that being said, this is a comedy show, there are things that are going to be said that you may disagree with, or you might find disheartening. Listen to this question is advised. Please know that I don't mean to do anything to promote negativity or hate. It's not how I want to come across. If you want to be a producer of the show and to hear your name sound glorious praise at the end of the show, like when I do later on in the show after everything, you can do so by going to the Cash App app, dollar sign AD Comedy Jokes. Please be sure to put in for SFW Podcast. PayPal at AD Comedy. You can also donate monthly to the main thing that is the anchor.sfw. I'm sorry, anchor.fm slash sfw. There's also a Facebook page, uh, SFW Podcast with Adrian. There's an Instagram page now. I had to create one because I couldn't get into my regular one. So there's that coming up. That's the name of this damn page. Should be SFW Podcast on Instagram. So it should be at SFW Podcast, I believe. Let me check to make sure. Yeah. So at SFW Podcast. And that's my Instagram page. And there's not a lot up right now because I just created it a couple days ago. But that's going to be where I'm going to be posting stuff on Instagram from now on. And of course, the Facebook fan page uh, is SFW Podcast with Adrian. So, you know, like the like and follow those two things and I'll be sure to um, update those regularly. You can send me comments and stuff on there while I look at them and things like that. If you want to reach me intimately, you can go to adcomedyjokes at gmail.com. Please be sure to type in any love, support, hate, comments, suggestion, likes. You want to be a guest on the show? Please email, email me your bio and resume and things like that. I'd be happy to interview anybody. Um... You know, as long as you have an interesting story to tell and we get a good vibe. 
moving forward, this show is going to have a kind of different feel once I officially move and get set up in my new place. The show is going to be more of a, I'm trying to do a more in-person interview. Because doing it over the phone and doing it via Zoom doesn't feel the same way. I don't get the same energy with people as opposed to just sitting down with them. Which is why a lot of the shit sounds stilted and it sounds kind of like, you know, blase blase. I want to be able to invite people over and play. hey, we're going to do an interview. Come over, sit down, we'll chop it up, have some drinks, have some food, and we'll talk about whatever. That's the goal going forward. Once I move and get settled in, that's going to be the main goal. So, we'll do that. Other than that, man, you got a great show lined up for you today. Um, it's going to be about, you know, like I said, my my uh, couple chapters from my unpublished manuscript. There is going to be some music played um, in some of these things I don't own the rights to. Please don't sue. I'm just trying to play them to illustrate a point in the story. It's kind of like if I... Uh, it was like, what if Rocky played and they didn't have the Eye of the Tiger theme song and somebody just had to read it? It's the Eye of the Tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Holding on to the... You know, in like... So the music is to emphasize a point. I'm not trying to get paid off playing the music. I just wanted to play clips of music. So please don't sue me. I have no money. And the money I do owe goes to other people. So you have to stay in the line behind student loans and some other shit. <laughs> not inviting them. Anyway. More coming up later on. Thank you. So this is a piece of trivia I noticed recently after binge watching a bunch of shows online and like, wow, she was in this show? That's crazy. These are two actresses who who had been a while for a while, been around for a while, and I never really noticed them until they got really popular. So we all know Brittany Murphy um, from, you know, Clueless, uh, Just Married, Uptown Girls, 8 Mile, Sin City, you know, Spun, this one of my favorite movies, Spun. Um, she unfortunately died in 2009, um, but I was watching some old shows, and she was on a few episodes of them. Um, I was watching Sister Sister. She played the character Sarah. She was on six episodes. Boy Meets World. She was on two episodes. Um, you know, of course, King A. Hill. She played Luann. And also, I want to talk about Ashley Tisdale, who's still around now. She is another one who was like, I only, you know, you only recognize her now from Disney. I, I guess she was in what, Sweet Life, Second Cody in Disney, in High School Musical, High School Musical, um, one, two, and three. But in oh, Phineas and Ferb, voice in Phineas and Ferb. But she's been around for quite some time, and she's been doing her thing. She was in Smart Guy. She was on The Amanda Show. She was 100 Deeds for Ed McDowell, which I watched. Um, the Hughleys, she was on there. Michael in the Middle, Grind of Her Life, George Lopez. I mean, Raising Hope, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, she's been around for quite some time. And it's it's... 
it's always interesting to me whenever like you see someone in an older show and they may have like a part like okay Adam Scott was in a few episodes of Women's World where you play Griff Adam Scott best known for um Adam Scott I'm trying to figure out what he's best known for I want to say Parks and Rec I know he was on Parks and Rec for sure but Parks and Rec Step Brothers Party Down Time to Time Machine 2 and The Good Place he was uh, a, a, his first major film role was Hellraiser Bloodline which wasn't a good movie mind you okay so you watch that you see him in it it's like oh poor guy that was the start but he was also in the series it's a boy meets world he played Griffin Hawkins it's on four episodes of that show as well as I mean I guess that's pretty much it and you see but anyway I mean that's it as far as like the ones I recognize him from other ones I've never seen you know, I did watch Park and Ricks for a minute, but I, I don't think I got caught up to the part where he was on it. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of trivia. I didn't know that, they, that that those people have been working for quite some time. It's always interesting when you see someone who's super famous now to see them on like, I thought he looked familiar. He was on this episode of that show. Oh, my goodness. Wow. He was a few episodes on that show. Okay. Or she was had a few episodes on that show. And it's like, it doesn't happen overnight, man. The real success are ones that plant seeds over time. And then when they finally blow up, you can be like, oh, okay, I know who that is. Here's my question to the audience. What do you consider to be success? Is it having a lot of money? You know, having a lot of money, i.e. a lot of things, a lot of brand name stuff, brand name things like, you know, Jewelry, cars, clothes, things like that. Is it just being at peace with oneself, no matter what financial state you're in? Or is it having tons of loved ones and tons of friends? What do you consider to be successful in your life? I know it applies differently for everybody. Me personally, man, I just want to make enough money to be able to live comfortably and have to worry about bills or rent or anything due, you know, and be able to have that money already and be like, when it comes up, bam, pay that off. I want to be able to, like, venture and explore and see different things from around the world. That's my goal of success, is to explore and have new experiences. I know that sounds weird coming from me, especially since I'm such an introverted person. But I, I really do want to try new things. But I just sometimes trying new things costs money, money I don't have. And... I mean, you know, if it was free to do some things, I would do it, depending on what it is. You know, if someone wants to fucking give me money to fucking travel the world, I'd be happy to. You know what I mean? I'd be happy to go to each country I want to go to. I got a list of countries I want to visit, but I won't be doing those anytime soon because, (laughs) like I said, I'm moving soon, and that's going to be all rent money, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? So... But anyway, uh, you know what's coming up next? Selected readings from my book.
before I begin, I want to say hola, hello, and danke to my German audience members who, for some reason, I'm getting very popular in Germany. Don't know why, but I definitely would love to visit your country. Last time I was there, I had a layover on my way to London, and it was mainly in the airport, but I'd definitely love to come out and, you know, explore the city and see all the things you guys have to offer out there. I know you guys have the beer. Every time people talk about beer, it's always German beer. You know, I'm not really a beer drinker person. I mean, I'll drink beer if it's there, but I prefer not to because drinking beer makes you have to piss every five minutes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love to explore your city, man. You know, I, I think Germany has Oktoberfest, I believe. That's that's you guys, right? Definitely love to go out there and see that. You know. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. As well as whoever's listening, wherever they're listening at. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, in lieu of a guest this week and the next week... I'll be reading like chapters from my book that's never going to be published because it's been close to 10 years when we're going to stay and I am no closer to getting it published now than I was <laughs> when I first started writing. So I tried to get it done last year during the pandemic, right? I tried to do the uh, self-publishing thing. Went through the self-publishing thing, paid the money, you know, having a look at it, and they kept sending back notes, said, change this, change that. And by the time, it's just... <sighs> They wanted me to change so much about the book that by the time I got through changing everything, it just wasn't my book anymore. You know what I mean? Like, what the... You know, you're asking me to pretty much... You know, change, you know, change just... The, I'm trying to compare it to something. As an artist, you know what I mean? Like, you, you this is when I put it out there... Because it, it's already gone through so many changes. Uh, originally, from where it started off as to what it ended up as. Uh, but to have them give back notes yeah we like it but we need to change this change that take this out take that out you can't say this you can't do that like it's not even my book no more I don't want to put this out there if it's going to be like that so I was like well I'm trying to find another way to get this done so if you know anybody out there who's in the publishing business and is interested manuscript's done everything's done I just need to send it out to somebody and you know get feedback so grammar needs to be cleaned up some and you know send instruction things like that make sure things flow evenly throughout the storyline but other than that man I'd be happy to read you a selection uh, for my book um, I do have a title of the book but I don't want to say it because I don't want somebody to steal the idea for me but let's just say Adrian's Unpublished Manuscript Stories there you go so I briefly talked about my um, my thing here here's a chapter 4 um, oh, names have been changed, of course, for legal reasons, of course, I don't think I'm trying to sue me, I don't got any money. Um, but here, so you say chapter four, bullying. Well, first thing, oh, so, I mean, <laughs> I keep going back. I mean, I told these stories before, but the names have been changed for legal reasons. So, you may be like, wait, didn't you say that the person's name was something else in before? So, just keep that in mind. Other than that, the story's general pretty much the same. My first encounter with actual bully I, I can remember was by a neighborhood kid, Kurt. He lived a few doors down from me in the pre-gentrified old neighborhood. I was such a skinny, frail pig growing up that would do anything to avoid physical violence. 
This is where my love of comedy began. I learned to tell jokes. I learned to tell jokes to avoid getting my ass kicked on a daily basis for the neighborhood bullies. My grandfather never really told me how to fight. Despite his lengthy military career, he could have taught me some great fighting tips or some kind of secret warfare technique. Instead, all he offered was mediocre advice of sticks and stones. I had no one to run to to get growing up. My neighborhood, whenever a kid got into a fight with someone they were out much with, they usually usually a bigger kid or a group of a group of kids. The kid would always threaten to get an older relative like a brother or a sister or some cousins to help them. I had no one to get besides an adult. But it was kind of an unspoken rule that's something you don't do. Sisters to adult as a kid when being bullied made bullying worse. I had to learn to defend myself some way. Which wasn't really good. I probably have been a less I've probably been a less than a handful of physical fights, even as an adult. I didn't keep count, but the win to loss ratio is probably even. As a youth, I would watch these old, poorly dubbed kung fu movies like Crippled Masters, Drunken Master, and the likes, and I tried to copy what I saw on screen with very little success. Kurt was about five foot two, shorter than me at the age of six. He was small for his age, so we're, we're both the same age, me and Kurt. But he's, he's a lot smaller for his age, so probably about anywhere between five to seven time period. Uh, he was very small for his age. I don't know if he was a or was just short or something like that, you know what I mean? But he was very violent too. He, um, even by adult standards, he was violent for no reason. He was like a ticking time bomb, anything would set him off. One time, my best friend Steven at the time and I were at Kurt's house playing Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. This is the age where kids are kids are friends with other kids because they have the latest gadgets or technological thing. Be like being a kid nowadays and being friends with someone just because they have a PS5 or whatever the newest technological entertainment device is. Right? So at the age you'd be friends are very or you'd be friends with or at least friendly to someone you didn't like because they had the latest high-tech device. I know a lot of adults who do that today. So Stephen was winning, right? I mean, he was whooping Kurt's ass in this game. So bad, of course, you gotta do a little bit of trash talking because it just looks that nice. Mm. Kurt got real upset at losing, so he knocked Stephen's glasses off his face. I can't remember any event where Kurt wasn't threatening to, threatening to or trying to beat us up. Oddly enough, though, he always wanted to hang out with us. Stephen and I actively tried to avoid him. It didn't help that Kurt had older brothers that were getting affiliated. When I was younger, the neighborhood I lived in wasn't in a bad part of town, but the small street I lived on wasn't good either. A few street overs where Kirk lives, there were gang-influenced neighborhoods, and each street had a different gang. One street would be gang A, the next street over would be gang B, and so on and so forth. So the neighborhood playgrounds at the end of all these streets, and I remember all the neighborhood kids going to go to the playground and asking me if I wanted to come, and I wasn't allowed to leave the block I lived on. Looking back now, it's because my grandparents cared about me. But at the time, it really sucked, though. You see all the kids, we're going to the playground. Come on, Adrian. My grandma said I can't leave the block. So, yeah. Kurt might have been my first bully, but he wasn't my last. Vincent only terminated me verbally. The name calling especially started when I began wearing glasses. 
Every threat he made against me had something to do with knocking my glasses off or hitting me so hard that I couldn't see or would be able to see. And he'd hit me so hard that he'd knock my glasses off and I'd be able to see. And then he hit me hard enough again where I wouldn't be able to see. Some, something schlacky like that. He must have had wet dreams about hitting me in my face and knocking my glasses off or something like that because he always mentioned it. Yeah, he threatened to hit me so hard he would fix my vision and hit me again and make me blind. Thankfully, he never touched me. Shane did all the physical work. An older, heavy-set child that had been left back once or twice. He was so much bigger than me, not just in height, but also in width. For some reason, he smelled of sour milk. The smell of sour milk to this day triggered memories of being pushed around after school by this titan. Long before WWF became WWE, then Vince McMahon monopolized the entire American wrestling industry, or as he put it, sports entertainment industry. My grandmother introduced me to pro wrestling. I had the silliest boyhood dream of wanting to become a professional wrestler. I got into wrestling around what's known as the Attitude Era. That ran from 1997 to 2002. I stopped watching once all the companies merged. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as he's known today, but when I knew him as Rocky Maivia, was just a breakout star in the wrestling universe. Rocky was my favorite. He would do anything to win, even if it meant cheating. It was the 1998 World War Rumble. Rocky was defending his championship against Ken Shamrock. Shamrock was the fan favorite, and the crowd actively despised Rocky. Rocky's teammates came out to distract the ref halfway through the match, so Rocky could nail Shamrock in the face with some brass knuckles, after which he put the brass knuckles in Shamrock's trunks. Rocky tried to pin Shamrock to steal a victory, but to no avail. Shamrock ended up kicking out and winning the match. After the match, Rock was laying on the ground holding his jaw yelling at the ref. He told the ref that Shamrock had knocked him out with some brass knuckles and said the knuckles could be found in Shamrock's trunk. After a quick inspection, the ref reversed the decision and Rocky was able to maintain his title. I know now that, of course, this is all scripted. But, but seeing it at the time, in real time, it was quite, it was one of the most entertaining and clever things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Star Wars is scripted, sci-fi fantasy. But since it was created, uh, what was I saying? I know now that of course it was scripted, but at the time it was one of the most entertaining and cunning things I had ever seen. Everyone calls it fake, not real, whatever, whatever. Star Wars is scripted sci-fi fantasy, but since it's been created, it's inspired many people from all walks of life. There's even an official religion called Jediism. Often dreamt of entertaining fans around the world and sought out arenas on a weekly basis wearing trademark clothing and having my own theme music. I've come to find out that pro wrestlers and comedians, which I ended up being, live parallel lives. They both constantly, they both constantly travel when they're starting off. They entertain different crowds every night on a weekly basis. Usually we work in the same thing so they can get it done down packed for a big pay-per-view or a big comedy special. They entertain different crowds on a nightly basis and sadly a lot of them passed away from substance abuse or substance related issues. So I chose a career in comedy because it's pretty much the same thing. So after watching the Raw Room pay-per-view, I was so pumped what I had seen that I finally decided to take on bullies like Rocky. Like, take on bullets like I knew Rocky would. I didn't just want to start a fight. I knew I'd never win that way, but I had a plan. All I kept thinking all day was WWRD, what would Rocky do? I didn't have any exact plan as to how I would go about doing this, but I just know once I saw opening, I'd go for it. 
Spencer was at it with the name calling. He incited a group of kids during the class to join in on the torture. He was the ringleader. Um, in the black community, this is going to be a thing too with, with me being bullied throughout the stories. Some call playing the dozens or your mamas or whatever the case may be. A lot of times people knew mama jokes were off limits because those were fighting words a lot of times. So when someone started going on your mama and you didn't know them, those, those, that's the reason to fight growing up. But doing the dozens would be like, boy, look at your shoes, don't tell that, it's having eyes, kick back, Florida style, uh, Huck Finn looking, Mario face ass, browser looking, you know, that type of stuff. And I was never good on my feet with quick witty comebacks. And even the stupidest one that wasn't funny, because they were going in on me and they were being loud about it, they would say the crowd to come watch. And they all laugh, you know. Oh, look, Agent with his glasses, old Steve, Steve Urkel looking, Steve Wonder can't see the, uh, you know, that type of thing, you know. And of course, you say something like that loud enough, stupid enough, and kids around the age, they're laughing fucking anything. It doesn't matter. Even, even, if, even, even if it's not funny, like, I've heard dozens, I've heard people go, go in on people like that, and shit was legitimately funny. And it wasn't hurtful because it was so funny. Like it sounded hurtful when you repeat it, but the way they did it, it was funny. A lot of times, the way they did it to me, it wasn't. It wasn't funny. It was hurtful. And it wasn't funny. Yeah. So, during class, it was just Vincent that day. He opened up the floodgates for anybody. Anybody to try to get at me. I've had bullies. I might have had two bullies that day, but clearly, if I did, if I let this go, I would have more because Vincent pretty much open the door for anybody. So I waited for Vincent to go into his business when he least expected it. I performed what's known as in wrestling as a dragon sleeper. I placed Vincent's head in an inverted face lock after attacking him from behind. I rushed his neck until he started kicking and then I dropped him on his head. He wasn't seriously injured, but after that day, he eased up on the name calling and started targeting other kids. When I got tired of him teasing me, I reminded him that what happened could happen again. So yeah, so people say violence isn't violence. Be sex is violence. Sometimes you violence stops violence or whatever the case may be. Shane would be a lot harder. Shane was bigger, of course. And when Shane came in for the daily beatings, I dish, he dished out. I, I reached for a metal chair and smacked him across the head. He went down no problem. I hit him across the back a few times until the, until a teacher grabbed it from me. Oh, I probably mentioned. Um. I didn't do classes with Vincent or Shane uh, together. Uh, Shane was, he was in the same grade as me, but we we were after, we were in what's known as aftercare together. And that's where he would do a lot of the, the, um, the, the physical stuff because aftercare was run by this one old woman who had to watch like 50 kids. She's by herself. And pretty much the kids just do whatever they want to do. I mean, sometimes to help out a lot of the older, older kids, would help watch the kids and be like, hey, don't do that, you know. But most of the time, it's kind of like a free-for-all. You know, one old lady watching 50 kids ranging from anywhere between kindergarten to eighth grade, let's say. Because that, that, was, that was the school frame. So, you know, pretty much it's up in the air as far as, you know, who does what. So that's where Shane, this is where I would run into Shane a lot was during this period. Okay, so yeah, so when Shane came came to me for for a daily beating, he's done dish out. I reached for a metal phone chair, smacked him across the head, but he went down no problem. 
I hit him across the back a few more times until his teacher grabbed it from me. I was just about to drop an atomic elbow on the fat bastard's spine when I was carried away to the principal's office. Okay. So after that, I was suspended for a week for both incidents. Neither kid was injured, but I couldn't watch wrestling for a while. I was given the benefit of a doubt the first time with, uh, with Vincent because I was generally a good kid and wasn't the type to be sent to the principal's office regularly. When I was back the second time within the same day, less than three hours later, I was given suspension. Well, that's how that works. I wasn't popular in school, but I like to think I wasn't actively, actively hated. I've had more than, I've had more friends than enemies, and I was only bullied a handful of times throughout my elementary, middle school, and high school years combined. Most of it was verbal, like playing the dozens, kids wouldn't saw each other with yo mama jokes, or saw the kids experience yo mama so black, when the lights go out, she disappear. Or they say many things that didn't make sense, but because other kids were around and laughing, it hurt emotionally. Like I said earlier, they say something like, You old Mario Carsage Hedgehog face have a Ducky Kong back. Like, many black comics start off this way. You know, like, they like they had to play the dozens to get in the groove, to do the crowd work, to be able to spit fire back rows, thank you, feet. I'm not the type of comic. I gotta sit down, write a joke, deconstruct it, analyze it, and do it that way. I'm not a good thinker. I may have some quick whips every now and then that are funny but don't come to me for on your feet fast paced slightening humor so you gotta sit down and think about it for a while so I rarely ever got into physical fights there's an old schoolyard chant sticks and stones can break my bones but words will never hurt me I would often memorize those words whenever someone would say something rather nasty to me what they never remembered to tell me was that words can be used as weapons and some in some cases can cause severe emotional severe emotional, mental, and physical damage. Words can hurt just as much as a fist sometimes. I've been called some bad things by many people, especially bullies, but these people had anything that is, is quite an influence on me as Mikey. Mikey was this big, fat, black kid. Think Biggie Smalls. He, I swear to you, he looked like Biggie, except smaller, but just as big as Biggie was when he was an adult. So I'm not sure why Mikey picked on me, but maybe I was, I was an easy target. I, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't, couldn't do anything. I knew him back in seventh grade before he got kicked out or beating up some poor kid at the bus stop to try to stand up to him. Around this time, Mikey openly bragged about having sex, smoking weed, and just, you know, being all around, you know, no good. I don't know if he was lying, but many people believed him, and I guess in the end, that's all that matters. And maybe Mikey was the victim of some kind of abuse, abuse back at home and felt the need to act out at school because he was able to control that environment. Or maybe he was just a sick bastard who got his joys off hurting people. I'll never know. Whatever the case may be, because of people like him, I have an incredibly thick skin now. I was never physical with me. He was never physical with me, but he loved to point out the fact that I had a big nose. Um... He called me big nose, fat nose, and would say things to me like, smell you later. And he would do a play on words whenever the teacher would ask questions in class. Like instead of saying, hey, teach, Adrian knows the answer, he would say things like, Adrian knows, as in my nose, the answer. Or he'd look at me and say, hey, nose means no. And things like that. I hated him so much. I, I, I was never good at playing the dozens as quick as, even as a comedian, I'm still not good at thinking on my feet and quick jabs in the moment. My comedy is more about self-deprecating. I can make fun of myself so that it doesn't hurt as much when other people do it, even though depending on who does it, it still does. 
So the eighth grade one awkward period time period for me. I was going through puberty, had bad acne, and occasionally I forgot to apply deodorant in the morning. And Mikey would be the first to point those out. Boy, was he helpful. Hey, stinky, piece of face. Looking back now, he was felt like he was shooting blanks, but due to the, my growing levels of insecurity, I was constantly handling him ammunition to use against me. What made it worse was I had a crush on a girl named Lita. During these years, she was the tallest female around my age. Looking back now, maybe she's about like five. Five, I'm saying, when I was there. Whatever, however tall you are, seven, eight, grade. She's quite tall for her age, I do know that much. Let's just say for her age, she was, I'm five, nine now. Maybe from the eighth grade, maybe I was like five, two, five, three. Let's say she was like somewhere between five, five to five, ten. And I'm shorter than her at that time period. Her light skin complexion and long, beautiful hair. Straight black hair shine in the sunlight. I used to watch her sometimes from a distance. I secretly admired her. <laughs> I just loved the way she would bite down the corner of her bottom lip. It drove me crazy. The whole class knew I liked Lita, even though I never officially made a move. I guess it wasn't that much of a secret after all. During the annual eighth grade retreat, the the soon-to-be graduating class, excluding Mikey, I believe he was kicked out by then, or he just stopped coming to school. He would have periods of time where he would stop coming to school for a while and come back before he officially got kicked out. So this might have been either after he got kicked out or during that time period where he was have coming to school whenever he felt like. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, so during the eighth grade retreat, we went to this campground in Southern Maryland for a weekend of workshops. Like, to teach us about, like, what to prepare for in high school, and you're growing up now, and things like that. It was a, like a, it was a two-day thing. Get there one night, spend one whole day there, another night, and leave the following day. So it wasn't like a whole, it wasn't like a weekend, weekend thing. More like a two-night thing, really, to be honest with you, but whatever. Yeah, like I said, it was weekends, like, you know, what to expect in high school, things like that, prayers for life, and things like that. If we had any questions about what's going on in life, and while chaperones were asleep, the kids would sneak out to play truth or dare. Around this time, most of the dares involved the boys flashing their penises, or one of the girls letting a certain boy grab a forbidden body part. Pretty tame to compare to what kids are doing nowadays. I know. I remember clearly Lita being dared to kiss me, and the way the rest of the class hyped it up, it seemed like she was being dared to kiss a bullfrog. My feelings were kind of hurt about that. I mean. Kissing me was supposedly some big awful punishment, but she did it anyway after hesitating and pleading not to. A few seconds were the best of moments of my childhood. What really made it special was when Truth of Their Circle had dispersed. She kissed me again in private. Of course, she threatened threatened me uh, not to tell anybody. Uh, I'm still happy for the experience. Anyway, Mikey would always make Sure, he found ways to embarrass me in front of her. I literally prayed for some divine intervention, like maybe he a car across the street to go catch the bus, or he died of some heart disease. I mean, he was really fat for his age. That can't be healthy for him, right? I'm sure you're thinking at this point, this is a point of story where, like many crappy 80s and 90s sitcoms about dealing with bullying, or that awful movie, Three O'Clock High, this would be the part where I do something big and Mikey never mess with me again. I would be the winner just like I did with Vincent and Shane. Not exactly. I never got the chance. I avoided him up until he was kicked out of school. 
I didn't hang myself or get one of my grandfather's guns to shoot up to school. I buried it deep down inside and let it fester and rot my soul. Is that worse? I saw him a few years back after graduating high school. He looked about the same, but with a beard. He didn't recognize me. The big bad monster I had feared all those years ago was now nothing. He was in line at the grocery store. I knew it was him because someone like that, for me, you don't forget those his face. The sight, the sight of his face triggered traumatic memories like a rape victim seeing a rapist out in public. I started to relive all those awful things he said and done to me. I followed him outside in the parking lot, stalking him from just under the cover of the night as if my name was Dexter. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do when given an opportunity, but I just wanted to see where it would go. I'm following him as he's walking to his car, and I'm several feet behind him, he doesn't see me, he doesn't recognize me, he doesn't know who I am, but I know who you are, Mike. You know, I'm following you to your goddamn car, I'm gonna do this right now. I was a scrawny kid back then, I walked behind him like a serial killer targeting the victim, and right before I'm out of the strike, the thought kicked in. I don't need to impress him. I don't need him to verify my existence. I worked hard on myself because of him, despite people like him. I need to live for me, not him. I don't care if he knows that I'm not that kid he constantly bullied. I don't care if he knows that I'm the kid that he constantly bullied. My life is better than his could ever be. I boarded my mission to do whatever it was I was planning to do. I don't know, I couldn't tell you, but in that moment, I, I really don't know. So I aborted my mission to confront my childhood demon to live with the thought that although sticks and stones will break my bones, I will never give words enough power to hurt me. Looking back now, I wonder if I subconsciously helped him through some horrific childhood experiences. Maybe I'm a saint. Saint Adrian. Here's a Saint Adrian in uh, Catholicism, and I chose him for my confirmation name because it was easy. Saint Adrian. But I don't know what he did. Let's actually, let's, uh... Let's do this right now. I knew what he did at the time, of course, but uh, I couldn't tell you now. Let's see, St. Adrian. Let's quick Google search real quick. Saint. I think there's a bunch of St. Adrians, too, to be honest with you. Adrian and Natalie of Nicomedia. Adrian of Nicomedia or St. Adrian. Guard of Roman Empire after becoming converted to Christianity with his wife. Is martyred in Turkey. Patron saint. Patron saint of the military. Oh shit. There you go. Uh, oh, answer that. <laughs> um, yeah, alright. Uh, maybe I was. Okay, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe I was just saying, letting him vent through some painful experience at the time. It might have helped him deal with whatever sort of inner conflict or abuse he was dealing with. Or maybe he was just a prick. Nowadays, they're passing all sorts of laws to handle the ongoing threat of bullying. When I was younger, getting bullied was just a part of life. It's just something that happens. Everyone gets bullied or everyone, someone's a bully, someone gets bullied. It just prepares you for life. How you handle it is how you handle life. The bully represents life. Things are not going to always go your way. People are going to hate you sometimes, and life's going to be hard. Bullying. Not saying that this... When I was younger, getting bullied was just a part of life. There were going to be people within everyone's lifetime that either hurt or hinder your process. The theory is to work hard enough to get past it, and you don't let it block your road to success. 
back then you didn't hear often hear it as much as people shooting up schools or hanging themselves. I mean, you know, maybe some bullying inspired some serial killers later down the line. Who knows? But that's just how it was. Um, if they bullying wasn't covered on the news as much as it is today, the bully would either work hard at trying to succeed in life so they can eventually rub their success in the faces of those that bully them, i.e., Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, or they would become they would end up becoming. Harris and Klebold Columbine type wannabes. Like I said, it's, it was a catch-22. You know, being bullied and how you handle it kind of determined your outcome in life. If you're able to get past it and let it fuel you, you can use it to better yourself in life for success. If you let it crumble you at a young age, as I had done sometimes, you can end up being a fucking sadistic fuck when you get older. It happens. Many, many, many serial killers were bullied as kids. And you can kind of see either or way they could have went in life. I wasn't always bullied as a kid. I also did some bullying back in the day, and I'm not too proud of that. There was this kid named Mick. Now, I can't exactly remember what grade he was in, but he was ahead of me. And everyone hated Mick. I mean, he had a mouth on him, and just his general attitude. <sighs> He, kind of, he reminded me of like uh, a black David Spade. You know, like even though David Spade in movies and TV shows is often outmatched and outmuscled by somebody, he'll say something slick to somebody and he knows he'll get his ass kicked for saying it, but he says it anyway. But we're not meant to root for David Spade or the person that's getting beat up. <clears throat> or, the, or, or the person, he, yeah, Mick had a smart mouth on him. It would get him in trouble. Instead of apologizing or backing down for funny, he would continue to mouth off despite the fact that he was outnumbered and very likely going to get beat up. He would say things that would piss people off and he honestly didn't care. He's what you call a glut for punishment. That's actually an admirable, an admirable trait many people don't have. But as a kid sometimes, and even as an adult, these traits make you unlikable among your peer groups. I would occasionally join in on bullying men just to take the attention off of me. Whenever someone would get in on me, they go, Adrian, this is the bad, 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 bad. Uh, look at me. Look at Mick. Look at me. Look what Mick doing. Look what he's doing over there. Look at him. So, yeah. I hope he's all right now, dude. I hope he, uh... Oh, God. That's horrible. I feel real bad about that. Um, I would join occasionally bullying him just to take attention off of me. Sometimes fellow groups, peer groups, would, peers would egg me on to beat up Mick just to prove that I wasn't as much as a punk as he was. I'm not, proud looking, I'm not proud of it. Looking back, I wish I could have found. I wish I could find it now and apologize. But back then, I was in survival mode. I was just happy it wasn't me. At least I wasn't his friend. Bobby. Bobby would protect me from everybody else, but it was more of a prison bitch situation. <laughs> when Bobby was around, he would, you know. If anyone touched Mick while Bobby was around, they would get in. They would get it. But on the other hand, Bobby would constantly abuse, torment, and bully Nick in front of the other six express dominance. In addition to the bullying, that also did also stab the fellow classmate. With a pen, calm down, with a pen. Uh, we were assigned to do a report. I think this was about fifth or sixth grade. We were assigned to do a class, uh, uh, an assignment. 
this was, was this assignment that was due like the following week, right? And at that age, you know, you fuck off, you know, you do whatever you want. Um, I don't know why I didn't do it. I, I didn't have a semi-social life until, until 11th grade. I guess I was preoccupied with TV and video games at the time. Duke was this half black, half Native American kid in my class and everyone copied off him because he always did his work and got good grades. He was the minkus. Uh, on that day, everyone went up to him, realizing that this assignment was doing, trying to copy his paper. And, you know, Duke was like trying to get his paper back. He's like, you know, hey, let me stop that. And he, he didn't do anything to anybody else. But when the paper got to me, when I got the report and tried to copy, Duke ran up on me and tried to put me in an arm lock to get his paper back. I panicked and grabbed the closest thing that I could and I stabbed him. Well, it happened to be a pen. And I stabbed him repeatedly in the shoulder and arm and chest until he let me go. Duke was fine. I barely pierced. I barely pierced the skin. He was more shocked. I was spending for a few more days. If that happened now, I'd probably be put on some type of hate crime or assault charges. Uh, let's see. So this is another chapter here. Chapter five. Pupil. Seventh to eighth grade. I made best friends with another kid named Hunter. We lost touch once we both graduated into high school. I mentioned him to only mention his uncle. And now, no, 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 I didn't take a trip to Uncle Touchy's Naked Puzzle Basement. Is that, is that how Pat Oswalt says it? Uncle Touchy's Naked Puzzle Basement. I spent a lot of time over the Hunter's house playing video games and hanging out with him during the week. This was where I met his uncle. He always dressed nice and had money. I didn't know what he did at the time, but I knew he, I wanted to be like him. He seemed so cool. He had a cool demeanor, relaxed attitude. He drove a nice car. He had beautiful women with him all the time. He would give us money to go to the corner store to buy snacks, like five or ten bucks, which wasn't really a lot, but five or ten bucks to us at that time was like giving us a hundred dollars and saying, you can buy anything you want at the dollar store. He would tell us corny things like stay in school, don't do drugs. You know, it just to me sound like an adult, even though he asked me what I, he asked me what I wanted to be, and I told him I wanted to be a lawyer so I could help people. So I'm sick of that damn age. He applied me for my noble efforts and told me that if I capped that, he might hire me one day if I was good. At the time, he seems like such a nice guy. It wasn't until after I lost contact with Hunter that I found out that the very same uncle that would clown around with us was an actual hitman for an organized crime syndicate. I honestly would have never known if my grandmother hadn't told me. She asked me one day if I knew or heard anything. I told her he always seemed nice. He even drove us home a few. He even drove me home a few times. The only reason he got caught was because uh, someone he was hired to kill either lived through an attempt or knew he was coming after them and snitched to the feds. The same guy who gave me rides home after hanging out with Hunter with, with, was a cold, ruthless killer. I tried to think back to see if there were any signs, if there was anything out of the ordinary. It wasn't like he was training Hunter and I to be his young protégés. At least I had, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like when I was like, yeah, there wasn't one time he handed me a gun and told me, you know, you know, two in the head, one in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing like that. No, 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 not at all, not at all. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least I can say, you know, I literally had dinner with the hitman on a regular basis. This is around the time I would fool around with a big girl in my class named Ty. From adolescence throughout my teen years, even to now, 
to some extent, I did a lot of secret hooking up with females. They would let me fool around with them, but would deny if anyone called them out on it. It was, I was their secret shame. They used to me swearing to tell anyone. I was thinking, who am I going to tell? I'm not saying that like, oh, who am I going to tell? And they go back and tell people, like, literally, who, who, who am I going to tell? I tell anybody, they're not going to believe me. It's not like I can come to you for verification. And I was, I was never really into that anyway, really bragging on my dick type of thing. You know, but that was a thing people did. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, who am I going to tell? I wasn't going to say anything to anybody. I was just happy for the experience. They weren't good looking. A lot of them weren't good looking physically. Let me put it this way. Because I don't want to talk bad about someone's looks and things like that. Some people aren't considered generally attractive. You know, what the mainstream considers attractive. What we know is attractive. I know standards of beauty have changed over centuries, decades, and things like that. What's pretty now may not be pretty 30, 40 years from now. You know what I mean? Like, hell, in the future, girls will fuck around now. Swiss horns coming out the top of their heads. Maybe the sexiest thing in the world. Ooh, damn, she got that six-inch implant on top of her head. Mm, sexy as shit. Mm. And look at this. Look at this old girl with this. Ugh, pretty. Ugh, your symmetrical face has no rhino, rhino horn on top. I'm not interested. You know, so who knows? But let's just say in the context of today's standards, what we know is beauty. And what we, what we generally say is considered attractive. I'm walking a very thin line here because I'm not, I know I'm not an attractive guy. I, I, I used to be in the middle, middle now, but I think as the years gone on, and I've kind of not taken care of myself as much as I should. I've kind of dipped to the lower end of middle. You know, I could do things like lose weight, quit smoking, not drink as much, diet, exercise, work on myself financially, things like that, and I would build up my looks. But let's just say, for the purposes of this story that um, cosmetically challenged is cosmetically challenged. So whatever you consider to be cosmetically challenged or not as appealing to your eye of sensibilities personally, let's just consider that. They weren't good looking physically and a lot of them had horrible attitudes. It would be different if they had wonderful personalities and were fun to be around, but a lot of them were nasty for some reason. And for some reason they wanted me. They would let me fuck only out of spite or because they thought they could get something from me. Usually the spending of my time or money. I did it for the company. Sex and loneliness. I forget who said it first. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Who said that? I know it's a song. I know it's a song. If you can't be with the one you love, songs. Trying to see. Yeah. I don't have any right to play any any music coming out of here. I'm just trying to find a reference point. This it. Love the one you're with, Stephen Stills. I don't think this is it. But. Love the one you're with, 
Yep, that's it. That's that. That's it. Yep. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Um. After school, Ty and I would go up to the roof and play "Show Me Yours." I'll show you mine. She was the first girl to give me a blowjob. It wasn't great. And honestly, I feel like I had a better time jerking off with a cheese grater. But then again, I wouldn't expect a seventh or eighth grade girl to be an expert at giving head. And if she was, that'd be a whole other series of issues I don't want to know about looking back on. So, time was the first girl experimented with sexually. I closed my eyes and tried to pretend she was one of the countless other girls I fantasized about. It happened. It wouldn't work briefly until I opened my eyes. I see Ty's face or hear her voice during the act. Now shut down. Would be able to finish. Throughout the nine and a half years I spent at the Presumption School I went to. That's the name I gave it. I didn't call it the real name. I just said Presumption. Many people came in and out of my life. Uh, it wasn't only until too late that I realized that the girl I admired desire for almost a decade didn't know didn't even know that I existed for the most part of it as well I just wish I would have known oh okay uh, I didn't find out till after I graduated 8th grade I need to fix this one this, this line. I didn't find out till after I graduated 8th grade that a girl who I liked since kindergarten who I'd been in class with since kindergarten so you're talking about kindergarten all the way through 8th grade liked me and never said anything to me about it. Or I liked her at one point in time and she kind of like, you know, ignored me and played me off and things like that. And I'm just thinking, I wish I would have known sooner. Maybe a return of affection my youth would have shaped me into a better person, a more well-adjusted human being. It would have given me hope about the future and, and, and about humanity. But instead, I'm this cynical, sarcastic, jaded asshole that's talking to you now. Uh, all right, so this is gonna be the last little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the story here. When I was younger, I took part in a camp program for at-risk and disadvantaged youth. Now, I wasn't at-risk, nor was I disadvantaged, other than, other than being a young black male raised in an urban environment in America. My grandparents signed me up thinking it would be a good idea for me to have something to do, to experience something new. At first, at first, I didn't want to go because it's so far away from home. Yet I learned to love the camp and everything I had to offer. The camp allowed me to travel during the spring and summer breaks from my school, from school. And it was there I would make friends and experience a different side of life I never knew existed. Although my grandparents had taught me how to act in public and knew I wouldn't go out and be a public embarrassment, there were a lot of kids that weren't taught to say the same thing. And these were kids who were truly at risk or disadvantaged who haven't even been outside their own neighborhoods before. This place was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Uh, uh, um, the place was nothing I'd ever seen before, so quiet and clean. During the spring, the camp was run out of a youth hostel. Boys slept on one side and girls. This was up in the um, northeastern area. Very nice. I don't want to give exact locations to the camp because if I say what it was, you can look it up. And, um, during the spring and summer, during the spring, the camp was run out of a youth hostel. Boys slept on one side and girls slept on the other. 
that there was a kitchen and living room in between in order to minimize any funding business between the youths. There were side councils between the boys and girls areas at night. They were staying guard, you know, make sure kids didn't get out, getting up to any funny business. Some kids got around there by sneaking out the windows and going around the building. <laughs> uh, I never really saw anything crazy, so. The beauty of this gorgeous landscape couldn't compare to Kimberly. Kimberly was a year or two older than me and was this Latina beauty. She had this long, flowing black hair, pretty skin, pretty smile, and had this odd mix of two accents of being like Latina and from Boston or New England area. And she just had this way she would say things and pronounce words with both mixed of the accents. I, I can't describe it, but it was, it was sexy to me at the time. And if I heard it again, it probably still is. I'll go up there and find a Spanish person and see if I can recreate that somehow. Uh, <laughs> uh, she had this way about her that excited my 13-year-old body. I didn't know what to do with all these raw emotions, so I'd often make an ass of myself trying to impress her, do stupid things like, hey, hey, look at me, Kimberly, look at this, look at this, look what I can do, look what I can do. I would do, I would do, I would really do stupid things that could have cost me my life. I once climbed a lighthouse about 352 feet up, trying to make it to the top until my marginal burn kicked in and I froze halfway up. I got stuck and then the counselor had to help get me down. I almost fell overboard on the ferry to the island trying to be funny and hang off the side of the railing. I did so many destructive things trying to impress her. I guess I just wanted to make sure she knew who I was. The destructive and dangerous stunts were, were to ensure that I would leave a lasting impression on her. Other than my daredevil antics, I was rather boring. So I would pretend to be just about anybody else as long as I would get the results I wanted. Kimberly's brothers, brothers Davy Boy, the oldest, and Jared, the younger sibling, liked me a lot. Um, David Boy was smooth. He was this Latin talking stud. Think of like uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Puerto Rican kid from the Bronx with the chain around his neck, smooth hair, talking to the ladies. Your mommy, what's up? What's good? Que pasa? Yo, hey. Mm, you're doing fine. Haciendo. He would often uh, give me advice on what to say. He, yeah, he would often try to give me advice on what to say to the ladies, but I was only interested in his sister. Jared was the youngest and craziest. He would often do insane things just for the thrill. He jumped off a 25-foot cliff into the water below. Well, his kid was younger than me, so I'm 13, anywhere between 12 to 14 around this time. Let's just say 13 to be safe. And yeah, this kid was younger than me, like at least by, what, uh, two or three years, I want to say. Uh, another, he climbed, oh, yeah, so he jumped off a cliff into the water below once. He climbed a really tall tree as far as he can go, but unlike me to get back down, Jared, uh, he got back down on his own. Jared was what a lot of, uh, physicians today would classify as ADHD, but back then he was just being a kid, you know. I had his older sister, Eliza. She was the oldest. Eliza was the oldest. So it was Kimberly. It was Eliza. I don't know if Davy Boy and Kimberly were the same age. I think they were. But Jared was definitely the youngest. So Eliza was the oldest. Jared was the youngest. And I don't know in between if Kimberly was older than Davy or if Davy was older than Kimberly. Doesn't matter. 
just trying to get the lineage out the way. Uh, so Eliza was always pretty much doing her own thing. So I never really saw much of her, to be honest with you. Uh, they had a chaperone. Uh, all the kids, especially if they were flying in from different areas around the country, they'd have an adult that worked with the camp that lived in the same city or say with the kids coming to the camp. You can't just have a bunch of unaccompanied marriage flying from all over the country. That's a liability and lawsuit. All types of legal problems waiting to happen. Uh, Dallas was a middle-aged, bald, and white guy. He looked like he used to be a cop. But back then, he looked like Bruce Willis circa whatever year Bruce Willis was clearly visibly going bald. Like before he was bald, bald. Like we had some hair, but you can be like, oh, he's gonna lose his hair. You can see it coming. He had all the mannerisms that one would have of a member of law enforcement. I really can't explain it, but he was still a cool guy otherwise. He spoke with his heavy Boston accent. Yo, guy, we go to the socks. Oh, I can't even fucking do it. I can't. I have to do ka. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't even do it. I, I, the only way I can imitate his accent is if I did JFK. Yeah, he didn't sound anything like JFK. Just think of a typical Boston stereotype, stereotype blue-collar guy that works a physical job, and he gets off. He's gonna ask him, "Yeah, around the eye." Yeah, oh uh, yeah. So he spoke with heavy Boston accent. He told me this joke about a boy sitting in agricultural class. All right, so the joke goes like this: There's this dirty, dirty Johnny sitting in school one day, and he's sitting in agricultural agricultural class there's no such thing as agricultural class not in elementary school or middle school let's say he's sitting in social studies and the teachers the teacher is showing him a bunch of tools that the ancestors ancestors would use the teacher goes this is a shovel this is a rake and this is a hoe dirty johnny raises his hand he says hey my sister's a hoe but she doesn't look like that i remember it being so much funnier and dirtier it sounded so much dirtier back then, like, ooh, we can't really tell this joke. Oh, it's awful. Oh, no. Oh, that sounds dirty. It's not as funny when I retold the joke at a talent show later that week at a community center in front of priests, nuns, children, and the media. Because they were covering the story about a camp that helps the Savannah's youth. I hope they're telling a fucking, or a, a skinny joke. It wasn't, the joke itself, oh, it's no foul language, it's not graphic, really. But it just sounded so much dirtier back then when you are younger, you know what I mean? And it's really not that bad of a joke. <laughs> this is my first on-air bombing as a comedian. Uh, it, yeah, like I said, jokes are so much dirtier when I was younger. It was Easter Sunday, the camp had set up so anybody that wanted to go to church can get a ride. Kimberly and her family were going, so I went. Not to stereotype, but they were Latin, Catholic, and from Boston. So I'll take that however you want. I wanted to spend time with Kimberly. Dallas drove us around in the minivan. I remember it was Dallas and Eliza. So Dallas was driving, Eliza in the passenger seat. Kimberly and me in the middle, and Jared and Dayton and Davey Boyer in the back. I, we didn't make it to church, but we got to drive around and see a bunch of sites for a bit, which was better than being stuck in the corner of the church. Everyone got out to take a picture standing on the cliffs with the ocean behind them. Kimberly and I stayed behind for a bit. She was upset about something, and I gave her a hug, telling her that it would be okay. She kissed me on the cheek. I didn't know at the time, but it was one of those kisses that means absolutely nothing. It's a platonic kiss. It's a, people do it, hey, how you doing? Oh, 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 well, I'll see you later. 
It's a kiss on the cheek. It wasn't a kiss on the lips. And it wasn't, it was just a thing. But in my mind, I was like, oh, she kissed me. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, someone gives you a hug, you don't say that they touched you sexually. I mean, I guess it depends on who does it, but. You know what I mean? Like, in my young adult's mind, I, I, I blew it up bigger than what it was. Especially since I had a crush on her. There's one more time at the end of the day. In my young naive state, my was convinced that Kimberly liked me, and the same way I liked her. What I should have done was just let things be, but I told Jerry and Davy Boy, and somehow word got around camp that Kimberly kissed me like French style, even though it was just an innocent peck on the cheek. Uh, people tend to blow things out of proportion and make things a bigger deal than they really were. It went from a simple kiss on the cheek to a blowjob in the backseat of the minivan among our peers. When I should have simply squashed the rumors, so. Things didn't get out of hand. Okay, also at this age, mind you, I'm frail. I'm kind of a, I'm, I know how to make friends, but I'm not outgoing. Like, if you take the time to come talk to me, I can be entertaining. But I'm not exactly outgoing. So, I was getting a lot of extra attention from people that wouldn't know me otherwise. And like, hey, yo, hey, I heard about you and Kimberly in the back seat minivan, yo. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Come here, dog. Hey, what's up, bro? Hey. Woo! That's how the attention you want. So what I should have done was squash the rumors. So the things didn't get out of hand. But, not, but, not, but, but by not saying anything either way, people were left to interpret things um, either way. There's a saying about keeping secrets. Two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. That is a quote from a song. Let me see if I can find it. I have no right to play this song. I'll tell you who it is by. <sighs> Man, we need something. Shit takes forever to find a load. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I should be talking this whole time. I'm looking this up. Secret. By the Pierces. I saw Kimberly around after it happened, but she seemed to be avoiding me, of course. I just wanted to talk to her to explain everything and hopefully it would go away and we can get back to normal. One day we're all at the park. I'm trying to fly a kite with no luck. My first time flying a kite, I just thought that like you, I don't know, fucking run and that thing would go in the air and shit or whatever. Imagine a 13 year old me running around dragging a kite behind him. Surely it would be cute if I was four or five years old, but I must have looked like I was mentally disturbed or retarded. After a while of trying to fly a kite, I ditched it and gave up. <laughs> Couldn't get the kite up in the air. I know it has to do with wind and things like that, but you gotta get a running start to get up in the air and mine was dragging behind me the whole time. This is the whole thing. Like if you saw me from afar, you'd be like, is, is, he, is he special Ed? Is something wrong with him? Because if it is, then that's good for him. But if not, then somebody's telling him he's not doing that right. You know what I mean? <laughs> We all went for, oh yeah, uh, I was trying to fly a kite with no luck and there wasn't enough, uh, maybe there wasn't enough wind. 
After a while, I got fed up and ditched the camera. I saw Kimberly in the distance talking to some other girls. I made my way over to them and it started to rain. I mean, it started to drizzle at first, but it was one of those when like, oh, it's a little bit of drizzle and then thunderclap. And it was opened up and it started to have you pour. Sorry, 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 sorry. I shouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah, so. I saw Kimberly in the distance, talking to some other girls. I made my way over and it started to rain. One of those rain showers where it drizzles at first, but then after a loud thunderclap from the heavens, heavy rain started to pour. And everyone scrambled to stay dry. Kimberly and I ended up scrambling for shelter somewhere underneath the pier of the boardwalk. Underneath the box, underneath the boardwalk. Uh, together, the hostel was only a few, a few blocks away, but with the rain coming down, it seemed so much further. Under the boardwalk in the pouring rain, I told Kimberly that I loved her. And how sorry I was about what happened with the rumor. And I really cared for her, and I didn't want anything to get in the way of that. She didn't say anything at first. She smiled. Right before she spit in my eye. When I asked why, she started cursing me out in Spanish. She made it very clear she was upset with me. I tried to explain myself, but she wasn't trying to hear it. I walked back to the hostel soaking wet while crying. Raindrops masked my tears and sorrows. The rain was a perfect disguise. I honestly remember praying that no one would see me in the state. If anyone ever did, I blame them in the rain. Remember, no matter where you are, when you are, or how you are when you hear this, I love you. Thank you for listening to the SFW Podcast with Adrian. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment wherever available on your platform, on your podcast platform, please. Doing so pushes me up the algorithm. You don't have to be begging for money. You know, rate five stars, comment on something. Say you love summer. Summer's coming up. What's your favorite thing about summer? Let me know. I appreciate you so much. You don't know how much this means to me. Thank you so, so much. This week's podcast is sponsored by the following people who gave generously to keep the podcast up and running. Thank you so much. Mario, Lex, Cyril, Safi, Sine, Jamal, Nev, Val, Armando, Titi, Teddy, Vic, and JC. 
Thank you so much for giving generously to this podcast up and running. I greatly, I greatly appreciate people like you. 